What is up, you guys, and welcome back to episode 46 of the Lombard Trucking Show at time of recording. Coming at you live, I'm still here at this Ramada Inn. I'm going to be here all weekend. Uh, at time of recording, it's February 10th, uh, so expect a couple episodes to come out of my time here in the beautiful town of Hagerstown, Maryland. And like I mentioned to you last time with uh, my, our guest, Josh, I'm in that Discord channel with a lot of people in the logistics and freight industry and i'm bringing on another awesome guy great great guest big supporter of the show uh who's been working in logistics basically his entire professional career and right now he's working in the 3pl field and he's got some stories from the other side of the loading dock i see i'm on one side of the loading dock and he'll be on the other side he's got some some tales you know that he he wants to come on and share with you guys to let you guys know about the the underbellies of America's supply chain. So without any further delay, Mr. Steve Schlecht, welcome to the show, man. Glad you're here. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. So, uh, you know, who who are you, man? What's your story? Where are you from? You know, what 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 makes your heart beat? What did you do growing up? Where did you go to college? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in uh, Danville, Illinois, um, farming industry, kind of, you know, small town. If you ever If you're a trucker, you've probably driven through it. Um, if on that stretch, if I think it's what 74, um, grew up to, in the son of a, a farmer, third generation farmer, farmed the same land for over a hundred years. Um, mom worked at a community college in town. Um, and yeah, I want to get out. So want to get out of that kind of environment. So I went to school at Marquette in Milwaukee. It was in a city and just kind of wanted to get out of that, uh, kind of rural environments. So I didn't go to big town, anything like that. Um, great experience, Marquette. Um, and then I uh, left Marquette, started at corporate Pepsi, uh, where I really uh, just cut my teeth in the supply chain industry and and uh, a lot of front frontline facing roles. So I started at one of our uh, service centers or distribution centers, depending on what you want to call it. Might have even picked up there potentially up in uh, down in Indianapolis. Um, and then I went over to uh, in production. I was uh, leading a couple of manufacturing lines. Uh, a couple hundred, like a hundred people, hundred people or so on third shift. Um, a lot of painful learning experiences. And um, I mean, it was great in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, union shop. So a lot of learning lessons and stories there went back into warehousing and uh, worked a lot with a, a managed a 3PL down in Springfield, Missouri. So it's pretty much lived in Springfield, Missouri for almost a year. With uh, and I, you've picked up there down in the caves, Springfield, oh, yeah. the Springfield Underground, right? So it's like a four million square foot facility underground and cave system. That's how big it is. Oh, I see. Yeah. I had no idea how big it was. Four million. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah it's huge and it's gigantic. Yeah, and nobody, if you, <laughs> you don't, you don't realize until you actually, you know, venture around there, you have you know, enough time in your hands. So, yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah. So did that, then did, you know, did a short stand up in corporate. Um, worked at a startup for a little bit and did some work in consulting and really got a, quite the experience working with, you know, C-level uh, people just in like supply chain. Um, so, and that was a really eye-opening experience and a lot of good and, and bad ways too. of uh, kind of understanding like what I don't want out of my career, but um, so yeah. So now I run my own 3PL uh, specializing in fulfillment solutions for e-commerce owners and um, yeah, looking forward to chatting with you and learning a little bit more on the, the other side as well, the trucking industry, which I, I don't have as much experience with communicating with the, you know, the truck, the truckers and the trucking, but uh, you know, my brother's a broker actually, 
and I've got a lot of, you know, I guess ten, tangential experience there. So, that's dude, that's awesome, man. So, yeah, I'm actually shocked you didn't. Well, number number one, I guess to to answer what you said, I have been to that place in Indianapolis. I picked up there when oh, I yeah? was yeah when I was um, when I was pulling WalMarts with uh, when I was with Pam Transport. Um, Pam, like yeah, Pam. That's a yeah. That's yeah, where yeah I started yeah, my yeah, driving yeah, career. So yeah. you you've definitely seen their trailers or them sure. driving, but. Um, like so, and when you run pull Walmart trailers, you'll it's 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 a great gig, and Walmart's a great company to work for. If you guys go back and listen to my conversation with Justin Martin, we we talk about that. But basically, when you run with Walmart, you'll like you'll take a loaded trailer from a distribution center, bring it to a store, grab an empty, and then go to a customer. A lot of times, that'll be the yeah. setup. So I would go grab an empty from a store, and then I've gone to that Pepsi place where it'll get filled, and then I'll take that trailer to. Washington courthouse or something in yep, Ohio. I'll yep. take it to another yeah. distribution center. So I've, I've been to that Pepsi place. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been to a couple other Pepsi places. I actually made a TikTok video recently that uh, got pumped in a trucker top where I was uh, shit talking a, a Pepsi place in, <laughs> in uh, the, the, the Dallas area that was it, uh, refused. Was it Pepsi or was it Gatorade? I'm guessing it was Gatorade. Actually, I think it was technically Dr. Pepsi. No, it wasn't Dr. Pepper. Was it because, Lancaster? Was it Lancaster, Texas? I picked up at that one in Lancaster. I I just, I know it was a, oh no, it wasn't a Pepsi load. This was, you're right. I think it was a Dr. Pepper place. That I'm, I'm correcting myself. Okay. Pepsi Pepsi is in Lancaster. The place I was at was a Dr. Pepper place. This place wouldn't let me use their fucking sure. bathroom and I was livid about it. But I've been to the one in Lancaster and that place is just, what's tough about the Lancaster one is whenever, if you're not a Pepsi driver, uh, those loads, like a shit ton of them will go on the load board and uh, what, and like, and they pay pretty decent. Um, they'll oh, pay, they'll, they'll pay like over three bucks a mile. They'll be good. They'll be good loads. The problem is when you get the, it's, you'll have an appointment time, but like there's so much, many of those loads moving that, I mean, they're just, they, they kind of overbook it. There'll be like a lot of trucks there waiting. It's a long wait times, basically. Like I've been there for like five hours before waiting to get loaded, but um and I was the guy that approved your detention. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you would approve it. Well, it's funny that, that then the broker wouldn't approve it anyways. Or, or rejecting it. Yeah. yeah or rejecting it. <laughs> but well, my, my favorite one was when the, dr- the truck drivers would be, and we, you know, we had a hard cutoff, right? It was, if you were out 30 minutes after the appointment, tough luck, right? Sorry. That was the agreement we had with the brokers. And if you were 31 minutes, sorry. You're, you're not, even if you, you know, the, that was the tough part is that, you know, mm-hmm. truckers come in, if they're one minute past 30 minutes, you get sent there for six, 12 hours waiting for that load. And it was, oh, yeah, it was man. busy. It'd be, yeah, it's that hot and heavy at those locations, but I'm shocked you didn't. So your dad's still a, a farming. Yeah. Yeah. Really? And I, I'm shocked that you've turned, you've turned away from it. How's, how's he doing it? You know, I've, I've, I've done a, a little bit of research on, on farmers and I actually made a video about farmers is because it's shockingly enough, there's a, it's a high suicide rate amongst farmers. And there's a lot of people who are going through, who have gone through hard times. It's a heavily subsidized industry. And maybe it depends on what you're farming, what you're growing. But like, I mean, I just heard that, you know, the similar to trucking, farming had its golden age. And like now it's kind of, it's tougher. So I didn't know if he was doing well, if there was something that turned you off from wanting to to follow along with that. Yeah. I mean, I think there was just some, and there were some family dynamics there that, um, kind of a secession plan for grandfather and father that kind of prevented my brother and I or my sister and I or any of us uh, from going into the trade. Um, 
so, I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily, you know, we, we were at a pretty decent scale, but um, that what uh, the size of it wasn't the issue. It was just the kind of secession plan. Let's just put it that way. You know, some family stuff. Um, yeah, you know, he's good. You know, it, it, it's funny you say that because I, I think, you know, I hear the stories from him and when I go home, uh, specifically to Rossville, Illinois, look that, look that up on the map, one, one stoplight in town. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, you hear that from a lot of farmers, uh, you do see, uh, you know, Bill Gates and, um, his, I don't know, was it foundation or his, his group buying up, buying up a lot of the farmland and, you know, they're buying farmland or premium. Um, you know, there's a re, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I left the area, but you know, there's a lot of reasons why I've been going back, you know, there's just straight shooters like yourself that are down there there's no pretentiousness. Um, if you ever see that, that's, that show Yellowstone, it, it's not like take the crime out in a lot of ways. It's like that. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, you, it's, it's your word matters. It's not like the city where, uh, you know, that you can get by of just doing shady stuff. Like you do something bad or shady, like you're, you're kicked out. Like you're kind of ostracized from the community and it's, it's really weird. Um, but no, he's doing good. It, it's uh kind of transitioning things right now but um um yeah it was a very unique uh, upbringing let's just put it that way no that's awesome yeah i mean hey it's not you know it wasn't for you it didn't work out with your family i just i the only reason i because i i recently delivered a john deere tractor to a farm in hagerstown and you know and it was just and the the son was there and he helped them because um like helped them uh you know drive the tractor off and they were going to do stuff and what's funny is and i guess they they grew a lot of soybeans and stuff but i was like so what are you what are you doing with that tractor he's like well i'm actually gonna probably resell it and i was like wait really? a minute. i was like so you bought this so he, he bought a used tractor from a john deere yeah. place down in georgia got me to ship it up good payday for me too um sure you know i'm not i'm not gonna lie and then he's like oh yeah i'm gonna resell it so i'm wondering i'm like is that is that the market? I mean, I don't know. His situation is different, but anyways, but he kind how of, much were they farming? You know, I, I mean, he had a decent chunk of land. I mean, it was like a nice little, you know, little spot, you know, right in the, you know, you could actually probably walk to the Pennsylvania border from where he was at. If you, if you're that zoomed up on the map. So, I mean, yeah. it was a good, it must've been several, you know, dozen, you know, acres or so or something to like, lot, you know, good, good size field for it. Some silos on there. Like, Oh, he's, I mean, he's yeah, I got it. Elevators. What's yeah? He had some. He's definitely had a, a cool little operation there. But I remember he right. had his son with him, so I was like thinking, like, oh, you know, like that's that's got to be kind of cool. Probably a big guy. You would be surprised at some some of the. You'd be surprised some of the the richest people I've met. I, I, I there's a guy. I don't want to say his name, but um, there's a guy in my hometown that he owns some like thirty five thousand acres of land, and if you do the math, it's like. Um, between like 400 and 500 million dollars on on value you would never know it you would never know it you know you, you go to the city people want to pump uh, you know pump their the wealth around right this guy is just the most down-to-earth guy but it, it's like he, he's also the guy right um it's it's a weird environment but um that's interesting what, what were you delivering what kind of what kind of tractor jd what kind of john deere tractor Oh, it was, uh, I think it was a, it was like a 60, a 6,000 series. Uh, okay. I, I don't want to say like, maybe it was a 6295 or something like that. Okay. It yeah. wasn't, it was, it, yeah, probably only like six or 7,000 pounds. Um, oh, okay. It was yeah. Small, yeah. A little like planner or something like that. I used yeah, to work I, at Case, the, their competitor, Case IH. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, I'm kind of learning these tractors. I'm not going to lie. I got to load two of them at the Port of Baltimore, so I got to drive them on. And cool. Drive them on to the RGN. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. It's, Which it's one was cool. that? Would you would you drive on? Would you uh, drive on? I, I think those ones. I think I drove on like a a, a seventy a seventy two or was it a ninety five fifteen? I I can't even remember the model numbers. I'll send you the pictures offline. Yeah, yeah. Off the, yeah okay. I'll send you the pictures of the ones I did. Yeah. But uh, I like what you said about the small town people, like. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm kind of a city guy, born and raised, you know, like okay. five families from, from Waterbury, Connecticut. Really? That, that, you know. that doesn't, that strikes me. That's, I would not have, I would like, have put you up as that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, well, it's funny. I get a lot of things. People will ask me all the time, like, where are you from? Like some people get, oh, are you from Philly or something? I'll be like, no, I'm from the Northeast though. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a town like outside of Waterbury, like technically, technically I'm from, uh, I say it in episode one, I'm from, uh, you know, Wolcott, but I did go to high school in Waterbury, which, you know, Waterbury is just like one, a, a rust belt kind of city, sure. um, you know, used to be heavy industrial place. Um, but like, so I think that's one of the best perks about my life is I've seen both sides. I've Same. gotten to li- gotten to live near cities and like being in the Marines, like, you know, I was in, I was in the Marines with guys from the hood, guys from the country. Yeah. You know, and that's that's kind of and when you do that, when you live a life like that, when you absorb, that's the thing. I've kind of kept myself in absorption. I mean, that's part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast and why I've especially gone this direction is like I want to talk to I want to talk to guys like you. I want to talk to real people. Yeah. Before we keep going, what was your experience in the Marines? Like that I've always you know looked up to you guys. Right. But like, what was your experience with that? Just like. um what do you mean? Like, you what know, did I do? Or? You've, you, you, were you in, were you in combat? Were you in, uh, over in Afghanistan or Iraq? Yeah. So I did, uh, I did one tour in Afghanistan. I was there from November, 2010 to May, 2011. So I was mm-hmm. in an artillery, I was in an artillery unit. I was with Charlie battery 110. Uh, I was a fire direction control control guy. Um, so, I mean, we shot indirect fire for, you know, inf- infantry ground combat elements, uh, yeah, you know, who were, you know, in, in theater, in combat. Like, so me personally, was I ever doing any like crazy firefights and stuff? You know, no, we, we, I never gotten into any like, you know, firefights, but we shot a lot of art already. We saw the videos of what we did. I mean, there was an, a, I got to see some cool stuff. I got to see a, you know, fighter jet dive bomb, and you know, drop ordinance, you know, an A-10 did sure. a gun run right outside our position. I mean, there were IEDs that were in place, like on a route out right outside of our base. And we used to see the guys put the, put the bombs in the ground we would call it in. and i have friends of mine uh my friend dan holiday uh he owns his own small business by the way if you need uh, pressure cleaning in central florida call holiday's pressure washing service him and i have stood post we've witnessed guys place ieds in the ground we would call them in you can't you can't even shoot at these guys because of the roe um so i mean that rules of of engagement so like you know because they're not pointing a weapon at you but you could see the jugs and stuff and then you know they blow the tires off of a truck the next day i'd say that was some of the most aggravating stuff interesting Uh, you you told me that you could see a guy playing ied but you couldn't engage him yeah yeah and they'd be and they might and technically they might have actually been out of range because they'd be like 600 meters away so i don't even think a 50 cal could reach uh accurately or something like that okay. yeah. uh but uh you know i i don't know some gun nuts may prove me wrong especially if it's at night but like yeah you you, you couldn't do it you just you just keep eyes on and like i said i i have friends of mine who who can attest to, to those stories but yeah i mean we did shoot you know we shot a lot of arty um it was you know it's because i consider it one of the you know i it, without being in the marines i wouldn't be who i was uh you know my only regret is you know, not seeing another four years through because it's, it's crazy. Um, I talk about it on the show a lot about how getting out of the Marines, like leaves a, leaves a hole in your heart, you know, of the what if and, uh-huh. 
and not seeing it through is and you know not seeing a career out especially because i could have had a great career so why did you get out i mean i was 22 and you know wanted to go to college play lacrosse smoke weed you know all my friends were getting you know all of my really close friends were getting out and so it's like you know and so their influence plus some you know negative influence from leadership kind of adds to it and then being 22 not having that foresight of thinking about career not thinking about where it goes because in reality it's so crazy because when you look at the civilian world or at least my jobs like Mm -hmm. especially working at enterprise before trucking like it is the corporate world or just the real world is almost parallel professionally in so many ways as the military as in Mm -hmm. like so basically like your first four years in the marine corps is just like any entry-level job it's literally just like you're gonna get treated like shit you're gonna be you're gonna have to take you're gonna have to pick up after people's shit you're gonna have to you know do shit that's not your job you're gonna have to do all these responsibilities and you're gonna get shoveled it and then you know, your second four years is like your first promotion you get in the real world where it mm. kind of sucks, but it's better because the money's better. And like, you know, you, you can you have a little bit more freedom. And then by the time you are in your like this age now, like 33, like you're you're on your third enlistment where your where retirement is on your sites, that 20 year mark is on your site and you are an E6, E7. Like I just you know, I have a guy, you know, my a, a friend of mine who's just got selected for first sergeant and another guy I know who's a gunnery sergeant now. And like, you know, the way they talk about it and like, they're, they're even making memes about it. They're just like, you know, they're making memes about how that they're getting paid X amount of money just to make sure people don't get fat and that they shave every day. <laughs> and like, they talk about how easy it is as a job, as opposed to being in the civilian world where, you know, because in it, where like it's happened, it happened to me in my last job where three months into working at my last job, the manager of where I worked quit. And I kind of had to take up his slack, sure. but I didn't get the promotion. And like, yeah. I, that's such a story in so many millennials lives where like somebody quits, somebody gets fired, you have to do their job and you don't get the promotion or their pay. <laughs> and uh, there's like, and it's like in the military, that, that kind of doesn't exist that much. Uh-huh. Like you, you see, and like, and, and then in the real world, like, you know, in the military, you get, you, you get more time off than you think you, you do work a lot. You go to the field, you do, you, there's a lot of bullshit. Don't get me wrong. But like, holiday weekends, long weekends, like yeah. the amount of leave you accrue, like, whereas like in the real world, like PTO is always frowned upon taking sick, day, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's it like, and it's just in hindsight, when you look back, especially of how much I worked in the past X amount, even just how much I work in trucking compared to like the Marine Corps, you're like, holy shit, maybe the Marine Corps was, was a little bit easier and shit, I'd be with the boys and, you know, and, you know, so but it was a great experience. Like I said, I'm proud of what I did. Um, you know, unfortunate things happened the way they did with the pullout of Afghanistan. But, you know, gave me gave me, you know, some of the best friends I've ever had, guys who are at my wedding. Uh, hopefully they're at my funeral. Um, if uh unless they beat me to it. Um, you know, I'll be up there. Sorry, a little joke, a uh, little, you know, we morbid humor. You get that from, from yeah. the Marine. But yeah, man, it's 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 a quality, it's something that carry it's because it carries with you so much. Like yeah. it, it does, like in like as it like doing a job like being in the Marines gives you so much purpose and everything like that. But but I'm talking I'm talking too much. But you asked, man. I, that, that's a, that's another reason why I want to have people on is to get more more of what some other people might want to know because you've listened yeah. to some of the show you've listened. So I'm, I'm all ears for for any questions of what people want to get out of me more that I don't think of bringing on to the to the show when it's just me yeah. talking. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, your story's important too. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, I guess so. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. So actually, so Springfield Underground, I, I want to talk about that for a minute because I don't know if you, yeah. so you're on Twitter, but recently, I don't know if you saw, and for the listeners out there, you can go to one of my YouTube videos. I make a video of me going to Springfield Underground. And basically it's just like going to any other warehouse. You check in, except you drive into these caves yeah. and, and you back to a door um, and you just get loaded. It's just like any other warehouse. There's nothing special about it. But recently on Twitter, there was something going around where, um, I don't know who it was the you know, the extreme tinfoil hats on Twitter were saying, because, <laughs> because it's, it's the food, there was a lot of food down there. And there was people like, you know, kind of Q, Q type people saying that like, Oh, they store food and stuff in these caves. What are they planning for? This must be some sort of like, they yeah. thought it was some big yeah. secret thing. I'm shocked because some guy had a video where he's posting about it and they're like, I'm shocked. They let him film down there. Like, how could they? And it's like, and it got really, it was floating around the trucker, yeah. trucker Twitters. And they're like, no, I've been there. You can do whatever. It's no secret or anything. So you worked there. Yeah. What was it like working down there? Yeah, man. I mean, it, the, the Springfield Underground, it's a wild place. I mean, Springfield, no, no offense to the people from Springfield, Missouri, but Springfield, Missouri in and of itself is a wild place as well. It's like this, if you've ever been to Springfield, it's like this oasis in front of, and like the Ozarks, there's not a lot of stuff around it. Um, you know, it, it, it's a smaller town. They got Missouri State there. I think they've got, I don't know what kind of industries. I mean, they've got a few industries and they've got craft, which stores craft food down the caves. Um, and there's some dairy facilities, which uh, Dairy Farmers of America, which uh, does the star uh, bottles of Starbucks down there and, and ships it to the caves before it's. Uh, you've, you got some. Oh, you've got some trucking companies. I think Prime is out of there. Prime. Prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prime. Yeah. Prime's headquarters is there. Uh, yeah, Spring, and Prime's a huge. They're a mega carrier. I, I, I mean, they're they're a piece of shit company, and I'll, I'll talk about that another time. But because uh, I need to make a whole separate video to shit talk them for people I've heard. But I mean, they're a huge company, so that's a big part of Springfield. Yeah, Springfield's like a little. Yeah, it you is. know, it's funny. It's like that that owner, and I, I don't, I don't even know the guy. I mean, not just I don't want badmouth him, but like he, like if you've ever he owned, so it's 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 really the guy's like depending on how you look at him. I mean, he's a smart businessman, but he owns Prime Logistics. He's got a mansion down there, and then he's got like a steakhouse, and then he's got I think a Hilton Hotel, and then I so and then it's like it's hilarious. He sends all his truckers to this one hotel, so it's like another stream of revenue for him. And then if he ever brings anybody into town, he he takes them to Fire and Ice, <laughs> and then he's making money out of that. Oh yeah, dude. And maybe I, I take this back. It, it might not be uh, Prime. I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking it's actually. I think O'Leary. O'Leary Auto Parts is that Springfield. Oh really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he, and he does that? It's, it's O'Leary, but. Um, I know the, the guy at a prime, I think, I don't know what his name is, Rob or something like that. He, it's a similar thing. He's got a few different businesses, but um, yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, so I, I spent some some good time down in uh, the caves and, you know, a wild place. You know, Springfield's a crazy town. Um, you know, I walked in and I, I remember, I kind of remember vividly and I, I was walking around and this 3PL was a disaster. Um, and we should talk about that because I, 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 I couldn't, I can't believe the things that happened. You would think that, you know, these big companies like Pepsi and, and blah, 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 you know, have it all figured out. And reality, oh, no. it's not the truth. No, they don't. Now, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, you know, we were uh, trying to fix this 3PL 
and I was kind of like the lead point on it. So I was spending like a lot of time down. Actually, real real quick, just before you go, just for listeners out there, three PL stands for third party logistics, and essentially that's like so what we're talking about. So like Pepsi, you know, you don't go to all the time to Pepsi or Kraft or wherever to pick up. Like they outsource the storage of their products. So like they'll make it somewhere, and then it needs to be stored somewhere to get picked up. So it's a third party logistics. I just wanted to clarify that for anybody right. who kind of didn't know but yeah go on and, and there's and there, I would, would you agree there, there's two three pls there's like the brokerage three pls that like like the the seed province and the coyotes and then like the other three pls are like the actual people like run the forklifts in the warehouse the physical like, location yeah know. like the riders of the world and uh was it gxo now which is formerly xbo um anyways um so yeah like you know th- th- this was a crazy facility like i walked in i just think i remember I was doing, I was doing a little like walk around and I walk around, it was like this pallet, uh, this stack of pallets, uh, this guy is, he goes, Hey, critter. And I, I'm like critter. And, and then I walk around the corner and here's this guy that the a stack of pallets fall over is Starbucks. And I was like, what the hell did I just walk into? And, and, you know, it was just a, it was just a shit show to be honest with you. It was like a, a, a like a clown a house or something. Um, but it, it was a crazy, you know, so this, so we were trying to fix up this three PL and, um, and a, a quick story about just uh, the corporate companies. And, and you think that like, there's, you know, these companies are really lean. They're not. Um, I'll That's tell so you much waste. Oh I my God. So I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. So we were, uh, we were trying to fix our inventory. So like, so you know anything about the caves uh, it, like within the actual cave you can't, and granted, there's some other three PLs down there, and I don't want to necessarily name three PLs really because I'm actually really good friends with the the guys still today, and like they, they've turned things around because new new management came in, and they're really good guys. Um, but anyways, uh, so uh, where was I going with that? Um, oh, so within the warehouse, you can't, you know, you can't put markers of like what, what each bin location is within the cave because it degrades like the structural integrity of the cave, right? So if you go into one of these caves and, and you know, some of the, these, I'm sure these other three PLs got figured out, but the time this three PL didn't have it figured out. So you think about like all these different SKUs. You got like Starbucks, double white chocolate mocha. There's also a Starbucks, double white chocolate mocha, Canada. And these pallets would be right next to each other. And like these, I, I don't, I can't blame the, the guys that are picking up these pallets and they'd be shipping the American you know, product to Canada. And then <laughs> they would just send them right back because, you know, the, the border would be like, hey, this is whatever GMO that we're shipping up to Canada. I can't have it in the country. And it was just a disaster. Uh, funny, and, funny how that works to see, you know, I have some friends who will say, oh, yeah, there's stuff that we put in our drinks down here in America that's illegal to be in the drinks in Canada. Feel yeah, ex- but yeah, you can expose that on the show, man. Don't, don't feel bad. So just oh, so yeah, the listeners yeah. know. This isn't conspiracy. This isn't just a meme. See what Canada doesn't want certain shit in their drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. funny how they'll they'll pay the money. I mean, shit, man, that happens to drivers all the time. There have been drivers. I've talked to guys who will get loaded and then the broker will call them and be like, hey, um, you know, X, Y, Z, it got canceled. Or it's the wrong product. And then they'll be like, tough luck. Either I'm delivering this or you're paying me double to take it back. So that that, <laughs> that happens more often than people. Oh, think. I, I believe it. Yeah. And we were doing inventory count for these guys and this place was a wreck. I I can't like put it into, I can't describe it enough how much of a wreck it was. 
and we were doing an inventory count. It was like, I don't know, it's like second week of December, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm the grunt. I'm doing all the work with the CEO of this 3PL. Like his business is like on in, in jeopardy because a lot of this business come from Pepsi, right? Anyways, um, and we do this name, and this is just to show you the bureaucracy of these big companies. We do an inventory count. We wrote off, it was something like a million dollars inventory, a million dollars. Think about this. This 3PL lost a million dollars in inventory. Like think <laughs> and it was like, what do bureaucracies do around Christmas time? They take it, they take the, the whole week, the, pretty much the whole month off, right? And of course, the, the, the company couldn't uh, get things together uh, at the time. And uh, accounting was like, oh, you know, what do we do? And the, my manager was like, just didn't respond. He just, you know, was kind of checked out. And and realistically, the 3PO should be on the hook for the million dollars that was lost in inventory, or at least what, what was in the contract. And it was like 3% of the value of whatever product was lost over that they were responsible for. So you know what happens? Do you want to happen? <laughs> they didn't get charged back. Everyone just forgot about it. So, <laughs> and that happens all the time, all the time. So Pepsi took a you know a hit, a million dollar hit on the chin, but no one knew about it. I mean, and once the, you know, January 1st hit, it was like, uh, no one, you know, it was just a new new year. Everybody completely forgot, and these guys saved their business because of you know bureaucracy and, um, but yeah, I mean, great I, experience on there. I get to inventory control. Yeah, will make me. I mean, dude, I I used to do a lot of inventory at the last place I worked, count and pipe, and oh, our yeah. busy our busiest time of year was heating season because it was a plumbing, heating, so wholesaler, and from, you know, from October to. Uh, I, I think New Year's, you can only, you couldn't take like more than two days off or something because of okay. how busy it was because it's heating season in the Northeast. Sure. And um, I mean, but like I did a lot of inventory control and like, I remember I would feel bad if I had to, because every now and then you'd be one water heater got sold to something else. So you'd have to, you know, adjust one out and all this stuff. And I'd be like sweating. It would give me so much anxiety and stuff, or even, <laughs> even like having to write off lengths of pipe because somebody sold pipe as one instead of 10 feet or something, something like that. And like, but so like if man, if as a branch, we had to like write off a million dollars. Yeah. Like somebody's getting fired. Yeah. Like big, big time. Somebody's definitely getting on the chopping block for Yeah. But, but what was your experience with the caves? So going out of the caves, basically what you do is, I mean, for the check-in process, you would just go in. There's a parking lot right outside. You get in there. You park. Um, there's a phone number you can call right there. There's, like, signs. Call this number to check in. You'll give them who you're picking up from. And I would always pick up from Busk Logistic, Logistics. That's, that's always who I picked up from. Give the pickup number. And then somebody would call you back in about 10 to 30 minutes. And then you they'd give you they'd tell you what door you need to go to uh in because no, no, normally because on the pickup it was always building 11 i'm pretty sure it yeah, was. Yeah. Um, yeah, was yeah and it was building 11 they'd give you the door and then you go to the gate and then they would ask you for what door you got open the gate and then you get down there and then yeah you drive through and what's actually really interesting which i still don't i still don't get how you guys do it but you technically back up to the door you don't have to open your trailer doors like like oh yeah like it was like um i don't know what the term is it, it was like like the you're right the dock doors in the cave i've never seen it in any other distribution center it was like you can open them inside the warehouse and i and, and i still don't understand how that works but yeah they'd be like back up to this door slide your tandem's back 
you don't open your doors and i'm like how do they load this trailer and yeah, then, yeah when you pull <laughs> out it'd be it already be sealed it'd already be sealed and be good to go i mean i like i said it's it's it was always a crapshoot like i never minded going to the caves because you wouldn't be down there that long but there's no wi-fi so i would read when i was out yeah, there yeah. but i would just i would literally like get out of my truck because it would be nice and cool and I would just walk in big circles around, the, like around, yeah, just yeah. yeah, just around those pillars. And I would just get in a whole bunch of steps. Sometimes I'd be out of there in forty-five minutes. Sometimes I'd be out of there in you know two hours, sure. either or. Like it was always a crapshoot. But I mean, what I loved about going there was normally if I got a load out of there, it was paying pretty good. Like sure, by, yeah, by oh, pretty yeah. good. By pretty good, normally it's a load that's going over three dollars a mile. Uh, it would get me either close to home or it'd get me out of Dodge. Like it would be a good, like it was always something that would either get me back home, close to home, either in the Dallas Fort Worth area, or it would get me out to a hot market. So like I would take something from Springfield and it would get me to Ohio or get me yeah. to um, somewhere in the Chicagoland area, or yeah. it would, or it would get me down to, it would it would keep, it would get me to where a market where I can get a good good load and it would pay good. So I mean I I like going to, going down there. It was always so. And actually, there was a I had to. I I feel I felt bad because this guy was on the phone, but I was fixing a mirror on my truck. One of my hood mirrors. I had to order a replacement, and I was doing it in that parking lot. And I actually like sliced my pinky, and I was gushing blood all over the parking lot. And I had to like. Uh, the security guard there like if he didn't have a band-aid i would have had to like ruin a shirt or something yeah i i just gashed my hand over that thing but that's crazy so really back in i'm not gonna lie the place looked very well organized and well put together really and more had, last time we were down there though last time i was there was man it was one of the it was one of the more like last loads i did what is it it's february now i was down there in the fall i mean i was probably oh, there okay. I, I must have been there in no like october november I've, i went there yeah. twice i mean there was always free coffee where you checked oh, in yeah. <laughs> yeah there was coffee there they had a bathroom these probably are these just are, a pallet and they just now dude they had the k-cups they had a, they had a k-cup oh, okay. out there a nice one so this is for any of the drivers listening if you got to pick up at springfield underground dude they got a bathroom for you um, I don't know if the Wi-Fi is fixed, so that might be out, but they got a bathroom and they got coffee, which, you know, when it comes on the driver's side of things, because that's the problem that some of these places do. They don't have bathrooms yeah. for drivers. They don't let them use it. So shout out well, to that place. My favorite. I, well, and I like one of the things I think one of the themes of my like early career is just like everywhere I've worked, there's been a level of chaos. And like, I feel like that's maybe just frontline ops in general. But you, I, we would get these truckers called down, and if like you, you know, you're calling down into a cave system, right? So there's no cell signal, and they would call like the number on Google List and, or Google, whatever the location was on Google, and you know they're not gonna get, they're not gonna get an answer, right? And these guys would be cussing and coming down, be like, hey, I, I called your facility and I can't get a hold of anybody. And they'd be shooting, hooting, hollering because they can't call anybody. But, you know, there's no cell signal. Yeah, well, I mean, drivers are tough with that. And I, I've talked about that with with Reed, you know, in the Discord yeah, yeah. about how, I mean, there are drivers out here. So that's what's tough about this industry when it comes to, like, because there's a lot. And when it comes to marketing things to drivers and trying to get the word out there about anything that's, like, new technology-wise that can actually help. Is I mean, there are drivers out there, and you'll see them at the truck stop, you know, freaking 
blue jean wearing, you know, but you know, boot t-shirt tucked in. These guys still got flip phones. They're faxing their BOLs up at the truck stop via the the Transflow fax machine. So it's like when it comes to call, like just like using when it comes to using a smartphone, there's still guys. I mean, the average age of this industry is like the in the 50s, like 56 years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you've got guys out there who are you know, there's there's still a lot of old school running around. And like, I mean, if, if you really think about it, uh, I mean, even if a driver's been out here for, say a driver started driving 10 years ago and they started driving in 2013, that's still, wow. pre, that's still pre-e-log, that's still pre-smartphones really taking off. Like, I know yeah. like the iPhone came out in 07, but app-wise in 2013, like Instagram was still like brand new. So like like even if a guy's been out here 10 years that tech still isn't that new so it's like and it's coming so fast and so strong that it's it's definitely hard for guys checking in but i i do think it's funny how springfield underground seemed like this very legit james bond looking place but on the other side of the loading dock it was a it was it would be it would be a a mess over there and i'm i'm pretty sure that so those caves what they were it was an old like limes right is that where yeah yeah and and they're utilized just because of, and so I think the reason why they they utilize those caves is because of the of the temperature for the product down there, right? So a couple of reasons actually. So yeah, the temperature. So it stays. I think it's sixty seven degrees year round, like summer, fall, winter, spring, right? So it's like an added benefit for those that need refrigerated warehousing or That's right. or or need a. Um, uh, like so, craft is down there, right? They, I think they got cheese. What else do they have? They had macaroni. They shared some of the space with uh, Three Bell. I was working with, and then Starbucks. And then before Starbucks <laughs> put all these homogenizers in there, um, they needed a, a, a place to put product that was cool enough that where the the milk and the fat wouldn't separate in the bottle, right? Um, so that's where they started. And, and this three uh, PL and Starbucks is going dates back to like the early two thousands, like the, between the joint venture between Pepsi and Starbucks. Um, but they put homogenizer homogenizers in there and it's like, it's not really neat anymore, but, um, yeah, old limestone mine, um, crafts down there, you know, Pepsi's down there, Pepsi slash Starbucks. So it, Pepsi just does all the manufacturing distribution for Starbucks, Starbucks takes a, a cut of the, um, I don't know what the agreement is, rev or revenue or profit. Um, there's a few other, like kind of, there's a couple automotive people. And then another one that you probably were not aware of is that, um, Bass Pro Shops has all of their trophy animals in one of the caves. So, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah. So like I went in there once and, you know, it, you think of any animal on the planet and it's like a trophy animal that goes into one of their stores, it's down there. So you got like these like trophy, you know, if you're a hunter or whatever, a fisherman, it's down there. It's pretty cool. I mean, if you if you liked dead animals, whatever. But um, yeah, it's in one of the caves and uh, Bass Pro. And, and just for for the listeners, Bass Pro's headquarters is in Springfield. It is. I, it, you, there's a sign for it when you're driving on 44. I, I see it all the yeah. time. I'm like, damn, I want to go to that Bass Pro shop. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and but, you got to go to the the, muse, the the gun museum. That's pretty cool. I mean, regardless of what, what your sense is on guns, but um, it, it's pretty cool for who, if anybody's just interested in history. Um, you know, I think they got Billy the Kid's gun in there. It just it's really well done. So yeah, they got all that because yeah, people don't really realize when you, they think of Missouri. I think a lot of people think that. I mean, you either think of 
KC, St. Louis, or you think of like the Ozarks, but like people don't really realize like Missouri was like, you know, is like a wild west type totally. of state. Oh. Like that's, you know, Bonnie and Clyde hiding out in Joplin. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's the, you know, the, you know, that's, uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, what's his name? Uh, who did, uh, the famous outlaw, Jess, Jesse James. He's Yeah, he's, yeah, Jesse James. Yeah, he's from great. Missouri. So, like, yeah, there's some Western lore out there in Missouri. And, like, yeah, Springfield, you can catch some of that stuff. It's it's an interesting place. I mean, I'm a, I always, I, I jokingly say it on the show. I mean, I, I've, I've spent more time in Missouri than my own, than my own home. Um, but I, I like it. I think Missouri is an under, underrated state. There, there's something for everybody there. If you want the Ooh. city. If you want the cities in Missouri, you got two great blue collar American towns. I love St. Louis, KC, nicest people in the world. And then if you want to get out there, you got the Ozarks. If you want to just be in a small town city, you got Joplin, you got Springfield. Like if you want the big city, you can get it. If you want the farm, you can get it. It's also yeah, pretty yeah. cheap. It's also pretty cheap. It's cool. So what what what's that? Oh, I was just gonna say I don't think most people realize like, you know, when I, I used to drive from Indianapolis to Springfield all the time, and like once you hit St. Louis and you're going to Springfield. It's all hills. I mean, if someone's really into hiking, there's tons of hiking down there, southwestern Missouri. Not to say, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to tell people they should move there, but, um, you know, I agree with you. There's definitely a, a, a lot of things or different people if you're looking, if you're not, especially if you're outdoors. But yeah, if, if you're an outdoorsman, yeah, northwest Arkansas, I mean, you know, all of Arkansas, really, Arkansas, and Missouri are two very not talked about enough states, especially for price points but so what got you kind of moving on what what got you out of the springfield underground what where where where'd you go from there yeah well you know i did a um kind of, i got out i think i think beginning of covid um I had been the role for a few years and went up to corporate what was your role actually when you were working down there what was your like title i guess i was a supply chain manager but, oh okay yeah um so you know i did my stint production and I, we should, I think revisit that. I think I got more stories there than anything else. Um, then I went up to corporate and uh, yeah, bounce around a little bit and consulting and, and so on. But, um, but before, you know, I, I loved, you know, you mentioned Bonnie and Clyde and you, you do a lot of, um, you know, posting on social media about the places you see and so on. Right. Um, like what, what would you say, you know, your favorite, like, like what, what are your top, things you've seen on the road right i'm sure you've seen a lot and i guess why as well so like are you talking maybe truck stop wise or like food food wise but like um or history or historical I, I th yeah i think historical I, I think you had something in, on social media recently about uh it was a bonnie and clyde that hideout mm -hmm. right like I, i'm sure you see a lot like do you get any any other sites like that that you know stick on your mind yeah, so I mean, Joplin itself would would, and the reason why I made that post is because I've spent so much time in Joplin, and really, the city in itself has so many similarities to uh, the city where my family's from, a Waterbury. It's um, and 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 that's a good and bad thing because Waterbury, because sure. Waterbury now, uh, for generally speaking, for the most part, sucks. Um, <laughs> it's 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 absolutely seen it's uh, its yeah. best days are likely behind them. Same and, it, yeah, yeah. It, and it hurts to say that because there's so oh, much yeah. about Waterbury that there's so much to respect. Um, you know, there's the, you know, from some of the architecture to the clock tower, but Joplin's very the same way. Like it's Joplin might be in, I mean, Joplin's got its crime though. I mean, it's got its good and bad, it's just like Waterbury yeah. town plot's still fine, but like um, the history in both the towns is really cool. And it's something that people don't know, know about. Um, 
but like what Joplin's got to offer. I mean, it's a stop on the old Route 66. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a where millions and millions of Americans traveled on their road trips throughout the, you know, 20th century. And, uh, you know, so it's got that. And yeah, it's just really interesting how, you know, Bonnie and Clyde is a name I've heard about since I was in elementary school. And it's like, they just lived in this garage, you know, in, in Joplin. And, you know, and the only reason we even have any pictures or historical reference of them is just because they left the camera, you know, and it's like, it, it is really cool. There's always these really interesting stories. Even you read about them at rest stops. Like I've learned so much, like just from stopping at rest stops in Kansas and rest stops in Texas about like people, like you want to talk about supply chain, like at these rest stops, there'll be these billboards that talk about um, how the cattle industry you know, work oh, yeah. and, and, they'll and they'll show you the trails of yeah. like these ranchers and how the cattle would migrate up and down these areas, or this is how they move cattle up and up and down. And it's like, really, this is, a, I don't, I think somebody's, I want to see if somebody's knocking on my hotel room. Give me two right. seconds. And yeah, I'm good. I thought I heard like a knock or something. Maybe I'm just hearing, maybe I'm just hearing things, but like, so yeah, it's those little tidbits in for any, and for the people who know me personally, like this is, I get emotional about that shit. Like I remember like when you see that info, there was one, I stopped at a rest stop in uh, Michigan and they had this whole billboard dedicated to uh, this unit of Michigan that fought at Gettysburg. And, it's, and and basically like 19 guys out of like 200 of this unit or something. I'd have to go back. I'm not being very yeah. accurate, but it talked about how many of these volunteers like died in these stories. And like, there's just like, you can't even research these stories. Like, yeah. like, how are you going to specifically look up the, this Michigan volunteer battalion that fought at Gettysburg? Like, you're never going to know about it. Uh, and there's just, uh, there's just this wealth of knowledge about like, you know, these, the stories of, of America going on. So some of my, I'm trying to think of some of my favorites, some of my favorite stops. So like what, what's crazy is like, like um, a lot of the places that are favorites to stop are just like word of mouth through other truck drivers. And that like, so the Oasis travel Plaza is one actually on 44. Have you ever stopped at it? The, what's it called? It's called the Oasis travel Plaza. It's like right near Fort Leonard wood in missouri um <clears throat> going down 44. oh it's by fort leonard I, i've probably been there yeah it's near where that uranus fudge factory yeah is. i was just gonna ask you have you, have you been to uranus chocolate factory <laughs> yeah. dude that's that's another <laughs> funny part of people have no idea that's such a funny part about driving it's like you'll see oh <laughs> stopping yeah. uranus, get fudge in uranus Getting yeah. fudge from Uranus, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and you'll see that stuff, and you know, crazy or wild things are happening in Uranus. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> dude, like, oh my god, like, I remember the first time we went on Springfield, you'd seen all these signs, like, you know, like, get chocolate from Uranus, and it's like, like these like little signs, and it's like, what exit, exit, what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny, but Oasis Travel Plaza has just got a really good <laughs> restaurant. And like, I met my wife and I stopped there once when she was driving with me and uh -huh. the server there. And I've you know I actually made a meme about it and posted it on LinkedIn. I put waitress from the Oasis Travel Plaza in the meme when I talked about me saving the trucking industry. And this woman we met her, she, um, you know, she's probably in her fifties or something, and her, 
you know, she was talking to me and my wife and I mean, she says she's got two kids, her husband's dead. Um, you know, she ba- she's basically telling us her, you know, her life story. I mean, she's working, you know, working around the clock at this diner, you know, and it affords her the opportunity, you know, to, to raise this family. And, you know, it's just like, you know, meeting those types of people and, yeah. then, you know, same thing with the Derby South and get, you know, going through 75 in Kentucky, you know, uh, the waitress in there, um, you know, the, the, the server in there, she was smoking cigs inside, you know, and, you know, she like the stories that she's got, you know, yeah. that, that type of stuff is like, like that, like that culture right there. It's like, there's something with all this technology and everything coming in. It's like, it's crazy to see, like people have no idea that like, that's that, like, I don't know the stuff from the movie, that culture, that Americana is still going yeah. on. But if I'm starting to think of other places, like other fa- favorite places to stop, um, what's, I mean, I'll tell you what, that stretch of I-40 from Amarillo to Ontario is always, oh, Ontario, is Ontario, California. Canada? California, sorry. Okay. Um, I love that, that stint. Um, and a lot of it, it, it's, it is old route 66, uh, for anybody listening. And so like that right there is just like, a it's such a historical road i mean and i've i the first time i drove on it was in my car in 2016 and it's just the stops you, like the truck stops along the way um mm-hmm. like the little america travel stop in flagstaff uh is you know it's just a cool spot uh to stop at they got the dinosaur statue there because it's a sinclair like any mm-hmm. of those stops because they've been there they've they've been there through throughout you know the kind of like basically since trucking became trucking yeah and it's just seeing that all the way through all the way to california you know that's it, that trip right there is the ride that you know people from illinois and all these people they drove on historic route 66 uh-huh. and that was like you know it's such a good piece of american history but i mean it's it's hard to pick just one because i mean i mean even down to there's a there's another spot right off interstate 30 going into texas leary texas right by texarkana there's a little shack uh right across the street from a loves called mr d's uh barbecue and like that place they have this meal called the brocade and for 26 bucks or i think it's 22 bucks you get like a chicken a quarter of a chicken leg ribs brisket you get like four or five meats plus a potato salad plus bread plus cornbread and it's like 20 bucks and it's like the greatest food you've ever had. Oh my God. And everybody, and just to everybody listen, you should look this place up. Literally, Mr. D, it's like a shack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a shack and it's owned by, and so Mr. D is a driver and his like wife runs it. And it's like, it's some of the best food you'll ever get. No and, kidding. Yeah. Exit 87 Barbecue is another one. Exit 87 Barbecue in uh, Jackson, Tennessee. They, okay. they, have a, they have a CB radio in it. Oh. Like you, you can, if you, as you're getting close to exit 87, you can, you'll hear guys, you'll hear drivers on the CB. They'll go, Hey, how about that exit 87 barbecue? And they'll answer yeah. you back and you'll, and the guys will put in their order uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Uh, on the CB. Yeah. They'll put in an order <laughs> on the CB and then they'll go park and pick yeah. it up. Those are, those are some of my favorite things that I love that. I love yeah, that yeah. about trucking. And because it's something that unless you unless you're involved unless you've ever trucked like you never knew about that beforehand you never knew that these restaurants or something would have the derby south has a cb radio as well uh on 75 like some of these truck washes 
there's truck washes that have CB radios and you'll hear them and they'll always be like a young, cute sounding girl on there. They'll be like, Hey drivers, you know, and they got this real cute Southern accent. Hey drivers out there. If you need that truck and trailer washed out, you come by, you know, this exit, you know, you'll, you'll get, you'll get a lot of that just like in the middle of nowhere. And, and it's, and you think about it back in the day, back in the eighties, this is before podcasts and Spotify and any of this stuff. And you can only listen to the radio so long. Like, the, the human connection guys had like yeah, yeah, that's what that's yeah. what they had they had that cute girl at the truck wash or something talking to them it's those are some of the, the coolest things i think yeah about the industry it's it's like that type of shit right there is like the fuel that makes me want to like that's the fuel that makes me want to you know fight for this industry because sure. like man like the, there's nothing you know like how are we gonna like, we can't let shit like that die you know i yeah. i just we're letting so much, you know, we're letting technology kill so much about our lives. Like, even if you look, and I know that I'm saying this as I'm making a podcast and it's on Spotify and all these podcasts. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, people can call me a hypocrite all you want, but like, even down to people's jobs, like, I talked to my, you know, my best friend Jay, my business partner, about this at the time. You look at things like, um, I mean, ever since email came out, email wasn't even the start of it, but like, Think about think about working a job. I was talking to him about it last night. Think about working a job in the eighties. Like it's like you couldn't text, you couldn't call somebody. Like right. you can get people's attention twenty four seven. Like we were not born to provide other people with this much attention. Like especially our, our employers. It's killing relationships too. I mean, just the fact that people need to have constant affirmation and connection of where are you where are you like always knowing somebody's location there's something dude it's screwing up our kids i mean parents nowadays always want to know where their kids are and it's like it's it's dude it's a huge thing and it's like so when you see technology is killing these things you know i always look around what can i what can we save you know what can we hang on to to like hang on to this time before all of this tech, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry, to, sorry to go off on this tangent, but Hey man, you got, you got me talking. I'll, I'll, start, yeah. I'll start rolling. I'll start Rick and rolling. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny you say that. Like I, one of the things I want, you know, I got a bucket list, right? Everybody should have a bucket list, right? I, I would love to do some of these routes that you've done, like from you know, like across like Amarillo, you hear all the country singers talking about Amarillo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and going out to California and like the, what do they call it? Is it the White Mountains? Is that right? Down in like uh, Eastern California? Maybe I'm, uh, the Sierra Nevadas? Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. But that stretch of road, I mean, there's a lot of history there, just, you know, the uh, expansion of the American, you know, Americana to the West. Um, I'd love to do like, a, I don't know, like with a with a trucker or somebody like you, or just by myself going up from like Laredo to El Paso, all up to I don't know, like Seattle or up to like you know Saskatchewan up, up there. Like I think that'd be a really cool stretch of road to visit. Um, but I mean, you're right. You know, there's a lot of uh, history out there that people I think just pass by or just for, think that uh, they just forget about in the so-called flyover states, right? Um, you know, some of my favorite memories is just going through is uh, is going through South Dakota, you know, traveling through the um, the Badlands, right? Oh, it's and, insane. There's no like piece of agriculture that looks like that. It's insane yeah, how, yeah. How, how gorgeous it is. Yeah, and it's it's just it's wild that you could be in. I, 
I mean, people give a lot, give it a lot of shit, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, you, I think, I think that it's, you got to respect it for what it is, you know, I mean, people have a very different life, uh, lives from, you know, in one location, you know, one of my favorite memories when I was doing this, uh, Western trip was like going out to, um, what was it? Wall, South Dakota. Mitchell's. <laughs> Got my first pair of cowboy boots from Wall, South Dakota. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wall drug, baby. Mitchell, the Corn Palace. Mm-hmm. Crazy as shit. You see, like, uh, I went to Sturgis. I mean, not when it was during the actual like biker festival. Um, but there's some school, cool stuff out there that I think people forget about. Um, that, you know, I, I loved it a little bit more of that. So, yeah. and, pe- and people's way of life. And I've talked about this on other episodes and I've talked about it on YouTube and I talk about it with friends, like, you know, cause I, I do, I, I preach about unity and how this country needs to come right. together all the time. And like, we're huge, we're a huge country, but man, I, I go to these warehouses and I talk to these people, the Mexican guys in Laredo, you know, the Hispanic guys in Ontario, California, you know, the, the city guys in Philly, the, you know, to all these different places and like, yeah, they're, they're all different in their own respects, but man, are they all like, they are still all at the end of the day, freaking salt of the earth. Americans yeah. Uh-huh. Their own way of life. And it's like, it, even right now I was just, you know, I get, you know, I, I get lost in this kind of thought. I've been, I'm across the street from this mall <clears throat> in Hagerstown, Maryland. And, you know, as I walk through this mall, I, I tweeted about it the other day. I said, we can't let the American mall die because I can't stomach how lonely seniors would be. Cause I was just like looking around this mall and it's like, I've never been to fucking Hagerstown. You know, I've, you know, I've, <laughs> you know, the only reason I'm here is because of trucking, but you look around and there's, there's people here, there's people who live here. And like, I'm looking at some of these old people who are like waiting for the senior citizen shuttle Yeah, they're there because I, you know, there's a gym inside this mall. And I, so I'm going over there at like 1030 in the morning where there's only fucking senior citizens there hanging out. And I'm looking at these people and I'm like, we're going to let these die too. You know, everywhere you go, like in all these different corners of the country, I think it's crazy. This technology has like brought us like together, but it's like separated people. Crazy. And if I can interrupt you for a quick second, like, you know, I I think you would agree with, I mean, I think you and I have a lot of uh, parallel experiences. Like you grew up in the city, I've, we both lived in cities, but we also grew up in the Rust Belt, you know, kind of not like the prettiest places in the world. And you, and you, we both visit them, right? And it's interesting you say that because I, you know, I find that some of the happiest people I've met are in the flyover states at these warehouses. They're not making, you know, too much money, but damn, they're fucking happy. Oh, dude, you could, I couldn't agree with you more. Like I, I talk about that. I had, I had a friend of mine, he just recently, we just had this conversation. A friend of mine just went to Peru and he went to some of these remote, not really remote because he was able to get there, but like he went to these small towns, people are the poorest motherfuckers on the planet. Sure. Yeah. And these people, you know, they're poor. They got, they, they don't got dick down there and yeah. they're the happiest people because they're with their families. And they and they and they all cook dinner together and they, yeah. have, uh-huh. they have these communities. And that's like and it's so true. Like I, you know, I was living in West Haven before I moved to Texas. And like you want to talk about a city that's so depressed. You know, West Haven is like one of the most depressed yeah. places in the world. And shit, it's got the most beach real estate in the state of Connecticut. There's no reason why West Haven can't be as happy as it used to be a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. 50 years ago. But yeah, you, you go to places like I mean, I'm just trying to think of a, 
you go to Richmond, Indiana, or you go to freaking, um, <clears throat> I'm just trying to think of these small towns. Shit. I was in Belforche, South Dakota, um, before I ran the Missoula marathon, this small little, you know, you know, uh, town that I went for a run in like everybody in that town. Yeah. It's just so nice. Like, yeah, uh, they, they shut things down like, and you know, they shut things down early and when the weather's nice and like, yeah, the, the poorest places are like the happiest people. Like, oh yeah. The, like the, even down to, and I, I've said this before, when it comes to truck parking, like truck parking in the Midwest, you plead your case to do it. Like there's just so much more welcome, welcoming, like, Oh dude, really? Well, let's talk about that. Like you're, you're saying that like, like what are some of the, so I, I don't think people on my side of the fence realize like that's even a challenge. Right. I know there's some companies trying to solve that, but you're, are you it's like what area? So I guess describe the problem for me. And then if you don't mind sharing, like what are the areas that are the most welcoming to truckers and what do you attribute it to? Well, shit, Missouri's one of them. The Walmarts in Missouri have literally spaces for trucks to park at. Huh. You know, you're not just parking in the parking lot. They have like painted lines for trucks to park at at some of these Walmarts. And it's like, so when it comes to parking, like the the like the clergy, closer you get away from the coast, the bet you know, the, yeah, the better it is. And it's like, yeah, like you know, I've parked. It, it's wild to think about it, it because, like, the closer and the closer you are to cities. The more, the more it is. And I get it. There's two sides to the argument. Not all truckers are clean. Guys do leave their fucking piss jugs. I, I get it. Not, you know, truckers don't, aren't doing us any favors, yeah. but you know, speaking for the majority. Yeah. The closer you get to cities that, you know, the more than that, well, the, the, the less and less likely people are willing to help you out. The more you get out in the, in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> the yeah. more, the more a guy will be like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah, dude trucks come in here all the time you know feel free to park overnight like in the strip mall plaza or a walmart if you need to if you're out of hours but yeah i mean essentially i mean one of the biggest issues drivers face is the truck parking and i mean shit that's where it's 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 happening now in austin you know people are starting to realize you know austin's economy's fucking tripled in the past uh five years and you know you have these people now in towns like mainer complaining all oh, the trucks are showing up on the county roads it's not safe um they're parking but you built all these warehouses you built all these places and guess what the walmarts aren't letting them park there there's nowhere for these guys to go there's uh -huh. one there's one pilot there's like and so yeah when it comes to parking it's always it's always tough and when somebody does let you park it's a, it's like a yeah it's like it's a you know it's, it's, it's a camaraderie always, it's like uh it's like a you help me out thing yeah it's like yeah such a, you know, it's, it's cool. You know, when it happens and it always happens in like, yeah, close you get to the middle of the country, but man, that statement, it is so true. Like, and I had this conversation with another friend of mine, like, and people, people who say this about when they're younger. And I remember, dude, I remember going to freaking Myrtle beach when I was 20 years old, 19, wow. 19 years old, you know, going, getting my bank account in the negatives and having a blast, not a worry in the world, dude. <laughs> being, like, being like, dude, I got overdraft protection. We're getting paid in two days. <laughs> Two hundred dollars. I'm. Go we're getting. We're getting fucked up this weekend. Not a, not a worry in the world. Like not a care in the world. Yeah. Like you know. So so many guys, friends of mine, I talked to. They were like, dude, I was I was happier when I was broke. Happier when I was broke. And I think that that's like a that's a real thing, dude. You know, you know what's funny about that? If I could just add some commentary there, it's like I, I feel like I've been very lucky in that I've seen you know the front line all the way to the top, right? talk to CEOs and that's not like a brag, right? And the, the reason why I say it's not a brag is that you would be shocked. I think, I, I think the people who have actually been in the game, they, they, this not, does not come as a surprise, but 
these the, the C-suite people and so on that are, are very wealthy and so on, they're some of the most unhappiest, un, uh, probably the, I'm not using the correct, most unhappy people I, I've ever seen in my life. I mean, seriously. And then you go, when I was in manufacturing, uh, in Gatorade manufacturing, you know, these people, you know, they're working like a dog, but man, they were, they were freaking happy. You know, they just it came in at work. It was, uh, the, some, some of the same people were working that same line for 30 years. They knew every single nook and cranny, every single gear, blah, blah, blah. They had a, a community of people. Um, but the, the higher up you go and, and the corporate ladder, it's a lot of these people are just, they got, you know, there's higher divorce rates, yada. And it's just you. I think people would be shocked, but you know, it's not exactly what it's put up to be. Yeah, where, where's yeah? Where does that power balance? Where does that switch happen? Because really, because those people at the bottom, you know, if they win the if they won the fucking lotto, I mean, it would change their life. They'd be so ecstatic. But like, yeah, these people at the top, and yeah, I've met I've met some of these rich people. They're always fucking cheating on their wives, or their yeah. wives, or, or their or their wives are these big fucking, you know, their wives are just these like trophy wives who who aren't real humans who <laughs> you know like they <laughs> like, they, like they, they just exist like they're not they, they like their wives like aren't would be nothing without their husband like so yeah. to speak it's like totally it's dude it's weird it's oh it's almost like political like a way and that, no. that's how that's how politicians are these politicians are just they, they're so like the higher you go it's like they lost some sort of sense of themselves and it's like what the fuck got them there in the first place yeah i mean it's one of the reasons why i got a consulting i mean i it, it's more to start my business but it's like you've been in consulting for a bit you realize it's it's not like you, you're working with these people they're it's just it's not it's a very ungrateful business in a lot of ways really grateful industry and it's just people are, are are away from their families for a majority of their lives and it's like when you're 80 and like what do you you know like when you're looking back it's like was it worth it a lot of times i, I don't think the answer i think the answer is no you know so you know i i, I hear you no yeah it's it's it, i mean dude it's a it's a wild world it, it i think about this often like if even if the if somebody from a hundred years ago, you know, could come back and see all the technology we have today, yeah. you know, they'd be wondering. Or the ancient Greek, if even if, let alone a hundred years ago, imagine the ancient Greek coming to you know twenty twenty three America, they'd all probably all of them, the rich and the poor, the smart and the dumb, would all be like, "Why the fuck are any of you working?" Right. Yeah, yeah man. What What do you you know, you you, uh, you truckers? got a lot of, of time in your hands right and i and I always like respect the, the people that come in the dcs and and it's like man what are these guys even i mean they probably just came over from seattle or the coast or whatever like, like you get a lot of time in your hands like what, what do you think about what's your you know like what issues are on your mind and uh yeah so like yeah, I guess just like you know what what is it like being in my own head all the time? Yeah, I mean like what, what's it, what's it like being a trucker? I guess. Yes, it's, I mean because that's the thing I could tell you first and foremost the job is definitely not for everybody. Um, but There's a lot of stereotypes, you know. It's there. There are a lot of stereotypes, and a lot of them are exactly what they are. So like, it's it, I have this phrase. So trucking isn't for everybody, but it's for everybody. Like it's for or it's for anyone. Trucking is not for everybody, but it's for anyone as in like all walks of life. I mean, dude, there are 
former there are lawyers out here there are former doctors out here there are for there are you know you name it there there's convicts out here there's you know former freaking pastors out here there's you know anywhere you turn you know th there's so many different types of guys out here so it's for anybody it's not for everyone um because like you know th what it take, takes with you you definitely got to be be learn and i've said this on previous episodes you got to learn how to be friends with yourself and so like for me it's just like i mean i do listen to a lot of uh i listen to a lot of content you know, I listen to my guys at Hard Factor News, listen to a little bit of Rogan, listen to Jocko, listen to, you know, Andy Frisella. So I absorb that, but you can only absorb so much. You know, I listen to a lot of a lot of music, but a lot of times what I'm thinking about, <clears throat> you know, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do when I get home. I'm thinking I'm I'm definitely keeping my mind focused on health and health and wellness a lot. Um, you know, I read this mean you know, read this thing. I'm trying to be the strongest motherfucker in my bloodline. So like, yeah, I kind of keep, I kind of keep my head focused on, because if you don't, if you lose focus on like staying in shape, you know, you'll just lay down right after you just get parked. So, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking about yeah. that, but also I'm thinking about this podcast. I'm thinking about this content, you know, how can I help the next guy? How can I help the person out there? Um, it's on my mind a lot. How can I do more? Um, and I, I tell my wife that all the time. Uh, I'm always thinking about what more can I do? What more can I do? Yeah. You know, what, what, what can I do next? How can I prove myself more to anybody out there? You know, how can we fix some of these issues like driver pay? You know, who can I talk to? Who can I reach out to? You know, when should I record? And yeah, man, I just, and then when I'm not driving, you know, I, I work out, I stay active as shit. If I'm not running that day or if I'm not, or if I'm, I don't feel like doing a workout, I'll just walk and I'll get on my phone and I'll talk to the guys on discord I'll just talk. I'll, I just always make sure I'm staying connected and I'll just make sure I walk and get my steps in. But yeah, it's just, I, you know, I'm always just thinking about what, what more, you know, sure. what okay. more can I do? But it's, it's, I love it, man. Especially getting into this flatbed stuff. Um, it's, it's cool, man. Just seeing, you know, feeling like, you know, feeling like you matter, I guess, so to speak. And, and you know, I think you mentioned this on discord, but why transition from drive-in to flatbed? Um, so a, a little part of it was definitely money wise. So okay. like just with how the market, yeah, just with how the market was looking like, um, I was running off load boards, running off the spot market and that just, especially now it's just not very sustainable. You go on TikTok, guys are hurting hard. The spot market is very much all but dead in a lot of ways. And I don't know a lot of brokers and I don't know a lot of direct shippers. So for me to run off load boards or try to run off connections just wouldn't work. Hmm. And so the specialized division at Warren, they have contracted freight, they have customers, you know, Caterpillar, John Deere, they have literally, they're the dedicated carrier for these guys and they have really good rates with them. So the money coming to the truck is just better, but also um, it's just a different echelon of trucking. You know, it's like, it's, you know, it's just like um, if you're uh, in any other type of trade or job, you know, even if you're an accountant, or if you're in graphic design, you know, if you're in graphic design, you know, and you want to stand out as a graphic designer, you'll get into more UX or that UI type yeah, stuff. Yeah. So with trucking, you want to make yourself more valuable as a driver, whether you're a company guy or owner operator, um, get more certifications and stuff. You know, you want to, you know, whether that's hazmat tanker, you know, double triples, whatever, like, so you can broaden what you can do. But if you know how to do flatbed work, chains, straps, tarps, 
load securement and moving that stuff safely from point A to point B, that's a very valuable niche to know because there's a lot less people who are so doing is, it. Is that so? Is flatbed, would you say flatbed is a more difficult or more technical thing to do than just say like drive a drive in? Yes. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's names for those guys in drive in, you know, they're called door swingers, you know, basically all you're, all you're doing is, all you're doing is swinging the doors and you're you're door swinging and bumping docks, you know, and that's all you need to worry about. But when it comes to this RGN and this flatbed and step deck type work, you know, especially if you're oversized, you've got to, then, you know, you're talking about dealing with permits, getting permits from States um, for your width. And you're talking about certain times of day, you can't drive certain places you can't, can and cannot park. Um, you know, so there's a lot more route planning involved. So it's almost a little bit more, you know, you, you've got to be a little bit more hands on. There's a lot more autonomy when you, when you, when you, yeah. when it comes to flatbed, there's a lot more that falls on the operator to take care of that. Your dispatch can't do for you and stuff. You know, I've got to call and get those permits. I've got to look at the map and see which way I kind of want to go, see which highways I can't go through. Um, see what bridges I can't go through or whatever like that. So there's definitely a little bit more autonomy, a little bit more planning. And then, yeah, I'm securing that load. I've got to make sure it's good. And if it's, you know, because improper load securement, that's a DOT violation. So uh-huh. I mean, th- there's definitely a lot more responsibility to it. And so it comes with a little bit more pride, you know, it's, sure. it's, it's cool. So, and and uh-huh. do, you, do you haul low bo- uh, what is it called? A low boy or uh, what do you call that? A step deck? Yes, it's an RGN would be a low boy. An RGN stands for removable gooseneck. So that would, gooseneck, yeah, that'd be like yeah. a low boy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Got it. And, and is there like a pride thing there versus uh, uh, the the standard, what I see like, you know, the aluminum rolls on or whatever HVAC system on top? I, I'll tell you what, there's definitely a big, either you get treated a lot different when you got those oversized banners really really so when when you're hauling that that john deere combine you you got a little more uh pep in your step you'd say yeah they they, dude guys guys on the radio like if you got your blinker on another truck will be like hey come on over oversized you know like (laughs) there's there's a lot more respect when they see that those when they see those banners like yeah they they look at you they look at you different you know there's definitely a little bit more of like a brotherhood really between the the flatbed community and like guys and other drivers like looking out okay. for you because because they know they yeah they know that you know they could see what you're hauling and yeah when when the oversized banners on there you know there's guys who are more willing to look out for you help you out sure yeah so yeah. So, so out of curiosity again I'm, I'm a warehouse boy um what where does where do you rent where, where does the the flat flat deck the uh where do those guys rank in the trucking hierarchy? Who's the top? Uh, yeah. Who's the bottom? Who's in the middle? This is this is actually this is good because there's this is always talked about on like TikTok and and we I wouldn't know I don't think most of the people that are outside of the trucking industry probably knows it so I I'm really interested to hear what you yeah so like so in my personal opinion the highest echelon of truckers like the number one the top fucking dogs and it's because it's something that I won't do because it. I wouldn't be able to like run marathons and stuff is, is the, like the bull haulers. So to me, the guys who work, who, who do like livestock, livestock, especially no bull haulers. And why because, is that? Why is that? I'm sorry, yeah. I'm just a little too excited, but. So the reason being is when, at the end of the day, no matter how you chalk it up, how you want to do it, their freight is alive. <laughs> like, like if you think about it, like their, like their freight isn't just like an inanimate object. Their freight is a living animal. 
So, and like those bull haulers, like they got to load those things on there. And like, dude, you hear about, um, you'll hear stories from guys like motherfuckers will catch a horn in the leg on that shit. Like when you, yeah, when you got to load, when you got to load those bulls, like, dude, that could, that could be your life right there. You know, you know, just getting those guys on, like you get one bad one. And then the, the job itself, they're, they're considered the last like cowboys out there. They're the last, they're the last like bastion of what trucking used to be pre huh. like pre e-logs pre deregulation because these guys um don't have to run electronic logs um when they're loaded with cattle um they don't have to stop for breaks they can't take 10 hour breaks so they're like if they're 16 hours from like if you're taking cattle from nebraska to california those guys are only stopping to get fuel period like that's it so they're they, going straight through they're going straight through. Is it because that they, they don't have to, like, they're not, um, what's the phrase where they're not governed by the DOT because they're ag related. Is that right? Yeah. So they're, they're agriculture exempt because I mean, basically, so when the, you're selling cattle, the, those cows are being sold by the weight. So when those yeah. cows are in transit, they're losing weight. And so like, if they get there, like, Just so if you're, if you're pooping, is that yeah. It? Well, yeah, they're shitting everywhere, but they're not eating because cows are always eating all the time when they're on yeah. like when they're when they're out in the fields, you know, there's a, they're always fucking eating. If they're not eating, they're sleeping. So when they're not eating and they're just shitting and pissing, you know, when you start driving them, they've lost weight since they get there. Uh-huh. And like you're you're only allowed for them to lose a certain amount of weight. So and then that fucks up, you know, the pay and stuff like that. So like those bull haulers, like when they got to go, they got to go. And like, so, and they're always in like long nose Pete's 18 speed. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're um, always in a Pete, aren't they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they are always in a Pete. You don't ever yeah. see them in a, uh, a freight liner, right? Oh, no, yeah. You'll never see them in one of those things. Yeah. They're always, no. in like a freaking, <laughs> they got the, they got the shifter up to here, you know, in the window. Like if you look at them in the window, they ride low like this. They got the shifter up here. So they're, this is how they shift. They're just fucking knocking it through yeah knocking grand gear so like they're, they're the highest echelon to me what do you call one of those peats that got like like they've got like the extended uh and i don't know why i've seen you don't see them too often at least when i'm on the road but the, the, i don't i don't know what they're called they've got that extended um what do you call the back part of the truck oh it's it's just a super sleeper yeah that's like um those are modifications yeah they, they like but, pay for that stuff. they make some like that but yeah but they're super like sleeper. they're ex- extremely long and I, I don't know if it's because of when they're trying to back into a, a tight space and they want to I, I don't know i don't know what the right phrase is but i see these things I'm like they they've got to be over limit on how long they are yeah, when uh, you what you'll see a lot of like a lot of the guys with super sleepers are dudes who do moving like Atlas van okay. lines and uh, oh, companies okay. like that, and because movers, I mean movers will just live on the road because and so like when they have a super sleeper, that motherfucker's got like a toilet and a shower. They like it's like an RV setup. Really? And the, yeah, and those movers, because like the I mean the movers will just yeah they'll just live out of that truck. And the reason why they're able to get away with it more is because like moving trailers are actually really light. So if you figure if you're moving, if you're moving like a 3000 square foot house, couches don't really weigh that much. And like you're moving couches and dressers and like the total weight of that load is probably no more. It's probably not that much more than 20,000. And if the truck and if that truck weighs a little bit more, so it's just like they'll still be they're they're not as heavy as like um a regular like if when i was hauling a dry van like i would haul forty five thousand pound loads 
you know, the, the weight of the freight would be 45,000, but for movers, um, it, like movers, their freight, you know, they could be moving an entire house and it won't weigh more than 15,000 pounds. Uh-huh. So like, so they can get away with having that super sleeper. So that way it's not, um, they're not over 80,000. Sure. But yeah. So, so you got your bull haulers and then mm-hmm. who's next? And so before we go on the bull, bull haulers, I find this, and maybe this is just my observation, but it seems like all those guys run at night. Is that a thing? Yeah. I mean, they just run based off of when they get loaded and when, okay. you know, I, when I, they get but... anecdotal observation, but I'm like, man, it seems like those guys are always like running at night. I never see them on the, during the daytime or rarely. Yeah. You, I mean, it depends on where, where you're at. I mean, I've seen them at all times at night, but a lot of them I feel like drive at night because there's less traffic. And, oh, and uh, I just figured, I, I thought it was something that, like they might be a little bit more sedated. Uh-huh. Yeah, that you could, Yeah, I'd have to ask one. I'm, I I do want to get a bull hauler around here. I'm gonna have to find one eventually. Maybe one's listening. Who knows? I, yeah, yeah, one yeah, day. yeah. Well, if you're you're a bull hauler, you know, hit up Lombard yeah. Trucking. Yeah. yeah, hit me up. Let's talk because I want to I want to basically stroke your ego because I think you're a badass. <laughs> <laughs> so. So who's who's next after the bull haulers? Below them, well, and I should, and I'm leaving this out. And Gord is probably listening to this because this is just a whole different echelon. So Gord, our, our buddy, our mutual friend, you know, me and Reed are friends with him. He did, you know, several years on the ice. And is, that, is he in Discord? Is he in the Discord? No, Gord's not in the Discord yet. But so Gord did several years on the ice. But I so those what's are ice on, for for us, uh, uh, not adult. What, what's the phrase? Yeah, for the for the non drivers out there. So doing time on the ice is like those ice road truck drivers and like Gord the Discovery did, Channel guys. Yeah, like those those guys like that. And Gord knows some of those people who are on that show. And Gord like delivered fuel to these um uh, remote, you know, uh native tribes up there who need, you know, up by Yellowknife and all those places in the Northwest yeah, Territory. White Horse, yeah. And the and the Yukon and stuff. Yukon. So I mean, but that, you know, they're not even on the scale. That's that's beyond that's tough shit. That's like really hard, badass shit. So, so, so just to, and I'm sorry, I'm just I'm a little excited about this. But so, I mean, when you see as you as a trucker, when you see shows like that, and I've seen like the ones like where the guys go like the Jersey Walls and blah blah blah. But specifically for the ice road truckers, is that legit? I mean, is it is it as pumped up as it as it what it actually is? Is it really dangerous and scary stuff? I mean, the the way Gord talks about it, I mean. It definitely, I mean, I they they definitely probably dramatize it on TV. Sure. Like they they have to, but I mean, it's it's necessary. And I mean, it's dangerous. I mean, Gord even came on the show and talked about how his truck shut down and it was like negative 40 degrees where he was at. And you know, he was, you know, his truck broke down and stuff. Yeah. So it definitely, I mean, it gets dicey out there and they're hauling fuel, which is dangerous in itself. Yeah. You know, so it's it's definitely tough, but that's that's a whole different echelon. But yeah. other I think right down from bull haulers is definitely the the probably guys doing. I mean, I think it's all under that same category of flatbed. I'd say I'd say like right below bull haulers is the flatbed, but that includes guys who are doing logs, heavy equipment, RGN. Like that's just um, you know you got to wear steel toe boots, and then and then below that would be your tanker guys, guys who are hauling the fuel or the food grade stuff. Um, and then below that would be doing reefer because it's, you know, you need to know the refrigeration stuff. And then, you know, the, it's, you know, basically at the bottom of the bit, you know, the dry van, that's like your, that's like your, your high school, you know, dry van is like high school. Reefer is going to college. 
you know, tankers, grad school, um, flatbed is PhD. Uh, and then, you know, bull hauler is like fucking, you know, God mode, doctor, <laughs> M- MD, lawyer, whatever you want. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's basically the, the full scale, I'd say. Sure. Uh, I'm probably going to catch a little bit of heat for it. That's okay. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that would be probably be my echelons of it. And then I, and then anybody who serves time on the ice is just like fucking freaking nature. They're just they're the Holy Spirit. Yeah, un, uncommon amongst the uncommon. Those yeah, those guys out there. If the I was David a, Go- the David Goggins of yeah. uh, afraid, right? If, if I like I said, if I was a single dude, if I wasn't married, I would I would one hundred percent give it a shot. Like I would give like time on the ice. Like even if it was just a year, or I'd definitely give the Australia thing a shot. You know, Gord says even or New Zealand. I was just listening to Gord's podcast, Voice of Gord. He had this guy from New Zealand on there. They. They need guys to drive in New Zealand and Australia all the time. They're moving stuff from, you know, the west to the east of Australia. That shit sounds fucking sick. Yeah, I mean, it sounds dangerous too. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's definitely definitely in that desert out there. It's probably a little dangerous. And have you ever done a load up to you know Alaska or anything like that? No. So I I've looked for that. So I'm hoping to get because I'm at Warren. They have stuff that goes out of Laredo that goes up to like BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That goes to the mines up there. Sure. So I'm hoping to get some of those Canada loads soon uh, once I'm qualified for them. But when it comes to loads going to Alaska, and from what I've heard, is besides fuel, not a lot of trucks go from the continental U.S. to Alaska. Most of Alaska's like goods will come via um will come via ship they'll come off ship and uh one of my friends josh jenkins he has the travel trucker youtube channel go check him out he there uh he used to work for melton truck lines that's a flatbed company they have they would have a load they had loads that would he'd go to seattle and get on a ferry so there are trucks that will get on ferries from seattle and go to alaska that way because it was quicker because and it's it's crazy. You would never know this on a map, but when you look at a map, because you think it can't be that far, but to get from Washington to like Juneau or whatever it is in uh-huh. Alaska, twenty-four hour. You, you know, it's funny you say that because I was just right. I was just doing my my research for a call, and it was I got this up on the screen right now. It's sixty hours from Chicago driving, sixty yeah. hours, thirty-five hundred miles. It's nuts, and to, like to get from New York to LA, that's a th- that's a three day drive. You know, that's three thousand miles. You know, and that's mm-hmm. to get from New York to LA, and it's literally like two thirds of that just to go from Chicago to Alaska. Like, you think like it's so yeah. The map doesn't know justice. It's so fucking big out there. Sure, yeah. But hope so. Hopefully, I'll get up to Canada soon. I would like to. I would like to to see that part of Canada. I've been to. Quebec and New Brunswick and, and Nova Scotia, but I've never been, not not trucking wise. I've just been there personally, yeah. but I'd like to get up there trucking. It would be great. Yeah. So so we talked about you know the, the current state of trucking, right? But you know where's it going in your opinion? You know what what do you what, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, what, it's, you know what's your thoughts and like what's your thoughts on you know um, these Teslas, the the automated what I call garbage out there that I don't think is really gonna. I mean. What, what, what person in the right mind is going to allow an automated truck? And granted, I'm just jaded a little bit. What, what person is going to allow an automated 80,000-pound vehicle going on a road powered by computer vision to just let loose on the roads? But uh, I'm just jaded. Granted, I mean, I'm sure there's opportunity I, there, but what's your thoughts? I think a lot of people are just as jaded, though, because I, at the 
the ultimate thing, and I'll dive into it. The ultimate thing is, I mean, the trolley question is going to come up, you know, is, are we as a society ready for robots to possibly, you know, take the lives of a family? Cause it'll, th- yeah. that situation has happened where a robot's going to choose between killing the family of four and killing the pregnant mom or wh- whatever it is. And, you know, society's going to have to cross that road. And clearly society's turned away from it with cars, Uber and Ford have kind of abandoned the um, self-driving cars because people don't want them, you know, people. And there's a lot of the the Jordan Petersons of the world and stuff are all kind of making it very popular that these self-driving cars are just another tool uh-huh. for, for, you know, them to control you, you know, because they can control the car. They, you know, the car companies can control the car. They could stop, you know, you're, you're just, you're giving away more of your, and Gore talks about this, you're giving away your autonomy when you, when you have these self-driving technology. So when it comes to the future, um here's the thing it's just i'm i'm more positive now than i was before i met a guy like gord and before i met guys like reed Reed and get in this discord because i'm starting to learn learn a lot more and Uh especially from my friend charlie claiborne and from gord's guest uh who runs America without drivers there's a nonprofit organization called America without drivers even the people inside the tech companies are telling everyone that hey we're still like 30 to 50 years out of from this yeah. technology yeah. working from removing the driver from the truck and because they're having a hard time with weather and major metropolitan areas and now what the, the where I'm negative. So when it comes to the technology coming over or taking away my job or career, that's a little bit more out of, that's not going to be happening anytime soon. Like, mm-hmm. I know, it, I know they're already there. The Waymo trucks are on the road and stuff, but they still got operators in those trucks. And, you know, so it's like, we're, we're still very far off. What I am nervous, what I'm, what disappoints me though, is where we're at politically. Um, and basically there is so much corruption in the trucking industry and the freight world with between the ATA, uh, the politicians, the FMCSA and the DOT, where basically um, this gentleman who runs America Without Drivers has laid out the facts of how the ATA basically is just the arm of the major mega carriers. For those that may not are, what's the ATA? And- oh, the American Trucking Association. They're okay. the largest, they're the largest, um, you know, trucking association that also is the largest political donor of trucking associations. Ah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. The the Um, lobbying group as well, right? Yeah. They, they lobby to the government and they're also like, so when the media wants opinions about truck parking or the driver shortage, they just go to the ATA and they just use the ATA's opinion instead of talking to real drivers. But so what the problem is, before we just, do you feel like they accurately represent truckers? No, because the ATAs who keep selling this narrative of the driver shortage, when there is no shortage, it's just a turnover issue. They're refusing to admit that there's a problem with the turnover in the industry. They just keep saying, oh, we're short 80,000 drivers. We're short. And it's just, and it's because of this driver turnover issue. You know, the ATAs, the ATAs yeah. been around for 90 years and they, and they haven't touched parking. You know, parking is a major issue. ATA, you've been here for 90 years. What are you, what are you doing? Uh-huh. Well, the ATA doesn't want to solve these problems because huh. the ATA is an arm of the mega carriers the, and the mega and the politicians are invested with the mega carriers. You have Mitch McConnell, whose wife used to work for Too Simple, which is one of these tech companies making automated trucks. You have all these politicians and the ATA are all in it together. And so they know the problems. And what's going on is, is they're banking on the tech 
to to win out. Okay. It's, it's essentially, so what's going on is so the U.S. government, DOT, and the FMCSA, they're ignoring and not trying to solve these problems because they're banking on the tech to just take the driver out of the job. So, but the tech is telling the government, "Hey, this isn't going to work for possibly fifty years," which means if we go as is, the supply chain will be unsustainable because you won't you will run out of drivers or enough will die or retire and you know you need to fix these problems and the government's just like no and they just keep dumping money into you know they've dumped billions of dollars into these into this autonomous trucking thing and it's still not there yet since George Bush was president this is going on like this this started during the Iraq war because George Bush wanted automated vehicles because of troops dying from IEDs <laughs> And this is where it all started. And so they've been dumping billions into this tech since the early, since, since 2004, 2005. And we're still 50 years off and they're just going to keep dumping money. And in the meanwhile, you know, you have drivers dying. You have this lack of parking. You have, and as technology keeps getting better, the supply chain seems to keep getting worse. You know, my truck is waiting on this part. It's on a two week back order. Dude. We're the number, you know, we're, we're supposed to be the best country in the world. We're kidding ourselves at this point. So I'm, I'm optimistic in a sense of the tech isn't there yet. It's going to take a lot of work. The people from the inside are saying that, but I'm, I'm just, I'm pessimistic because we have this, you know, we have this inept government that people seem to want to do nothing about. Like people think the answer is to just keep going back and forth between, oh, it was, you know, we need to go, you know, you know, the current president sucks this bad. I guess we got to vote for the other team. And then that person ends up sucking. And then we're just in this vicious cycle. So, I mean, what we need to do is, you know, we just need to keep having more honest conversations like this. Mm -hmm. You know, I need, you know, we need to keep, you know, and that's what I'm going to be doing. You know, and me and Gord have talked about this and Justin and somebody could take exactly what we're talking about right now. And they could take all of my content and regurgitate it word for word. And they can become famous and make all this money off content. Don't care. If, but is, but it, as long as the message can get out there, um, that's what we need to do. And that's that's what I'm doing at this point. So, I mean, I'm optimistic. Um, this industry has repurposed me, you know, who I am and what I want to do. Um, to me, it's worth fighting for. All that stuff we've talked about the whole time. The restaurants, the waitress at the Oasis Travel Plaza. These are real people who deserve, you know, who just deserve to live their life and just be, right. you know, and, and live normal, happy life. You know, we talked about, you know, you know, and th they just deserve better from the people who lead them and the people we're paying taxes to. And it's, it's, it's crazy how it's all linked to trucking. And, and at the, at the end of the day, for any of my more progressive friends who are listening, a win for the trucking industry is a win for the labor movement. You know, if truckers get paid better, if we fix this parking, like in, in when when trucking thrives, the country will thrive with it. You know, it's it's just it's there will be such a trickle down effect to where if you can make this industry run smoother and more robust, like think about that. If you have a robust, immaculate supply chain, you're unstoppable. Right. But we, you know, we need to start having more of these honest conversations, talking with guys like you, getting in the discord and getting the right minds into it and getting in and, and kind of reconnecting dry, you know, the drivers need to be involved. That's, that's the biggest thing is the American people, the government, 
the tech companies need to bring the drivers to the table, not just the weren't not just Werner and Schneider, the ATA, not just these the companies. The drivers need a seat at the table because when in trucking's golden age, like when my family's company, Lombard Trucking, was in its prime, you know, from post World War II to deregulation of the eighties, the the labor controlled truck, the drivers controlled the market. You know, that's why the wages, you know, in that, in a sense, the, the unions ran things like these are the days of Hoffa I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And so when the drivers were at the table and they kind of had the power, things were better. And, and when you saw, and the only times you saw it go bad was, you know, whenever, you know, the government tried to get involved and then we let them, you know, the government came in and, you know, Jimmy Carter said, oh, I'm going to solve inflation. We're going to deregulate this market. That was the government stepping right in which allowed all these different tentacles to come in. So like I said, I, I'm a glass half full type of guy. Um, I believe, you know, I, I, de- I, I think I default to truth a little too much. I'm jaded in some ways, but I default to truth and expect the best out of people and others. But uh, overall uh, optimistic, but just, you know, I'm not second guessing anything, but I mean, like I said, I can, I can, I can always keep rambling. So I feel bad yeah. taking anything from you, but no, 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 no. It's interesting to say that. Cause you know, I, I think, you know, technology is a, a big, you know, topic of conversation these days, right? Especially in supply chain. And I think that, you know, the fear mongers are, you know, oh my God, you know, attack AIs and replace jobs. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, you know, I, I saw tech and AI being incorporated into the other side of the dock, as we've discussed, right? So, you know, when I was in manufacturing on in Gatorade, um, you know, we had LGVs. So if, for those that don't know, LGVs, laser guided vehicles, simply just automated uh, forklifts, pretty cool. Um, but in reality, the, you know, it only solved like, it only gave us like, you know, a 20% productivity lift, or I, I don't know the exact number off, but it still required people. So you look, you know, people want to, you know, think that, oh my gosh, truck drivers might, uh, go away. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're way, way far off, at least from what, what I hear from people at, I have some friends at Uber Freight or early people at Uber Freight were kind of the forefront of this technology. Um, but you know, when I was in warehousing, you know, it, 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 it's a tool, right? And it helps, I think it helps our lives, but it's not there to necessarily replace jobs. And it, hopefully it's not. And I think it's going to aid the u.s growing and i, I frankly I, i'm an opt I, i'm a, I'm a pr- optimist by nature but i'm a huge optimist of the u.s and our economic growth for the next 10 to 20 years um if you're a reader check out peter zion's books uh i'm I, i'm like a, a pro i'm a disciple or a disciple is that the right word disciple or <laughs> I consider him like a prophet. I mean, he's a great guy and he's a very logical guy. And I think that America's eight, uh, uh, America's best years are ahead of itself. Um, I, I kind of, yeah. I want to hear, well, you know what? Cause a lot of people say the opposite. So I'm inclined to want to read that. Cause I want to hear somebody who's saying that because I still feel that way too, in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. I, I, and I, I hear you. And I, and I think that you, you, and I, again, I, I am not, you know, a geopolitical strategist or somebody's guy. I just, I, I read, I listen to people and I try to kind of spread a little bit of the news of the people that I think are just speaking logic. 
Peter, oh, he's great. I mean, his uh, proclamation is basically that, you know, the U.S. has um, protected globalization as we know it since the Britain Accords back in uh, after World War II when, you know, the United States and some of these other world powers decided, like, well, what do we do with things after this World War, after World War II, right? And the U.S. has basically been like the, the protectorate of global trade and it's allowed all these comp all these countries to specialize in what they do best, right? But that's all ending, according to him. And I agree with him. That's all ending. Um, you know, one of his books is called Disunited Nations. And um, I read it during COVID. And he laid out the, uh, he laid out how the Ukraine war is going to come down to a T. And it came and it happened. And, and I, you know, we were, I was looking, I was with some friends and it came out and it's like, oh my God, like this is, Peter's straight on, but the, the going back, I don't want to dwell on the, the negative side that, you know, the U S is kind of stepping away. His premise is that U S is stepping away from the global stage of being the protector of global trade and, and basically being the security arm for everybody's country, everybody's trade and, and just general um, well-being. Right. That's all coming in. And, as since we don't really have an enemy anymore and you can make a case that we do, but um, now that we're stepping away, all these countries got to figure out for themselves. Uh, and now the U S is kind of in a prime position, not because necessarily because of, you know, the, the constitution and, and blah, 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 and, and, and democracy, but really just based off of our geography, you know, you think about the things that we have as an advantage versus other countries, you know, we've got, plenty of of deposit of uh of um ways to tap into energy you know natural gas the permian basin right we have a great climate for energy um we have plenty uh i mean just the list goes on if you look at read his books okay um and i, I don't where was i going with this um i guess my point though is that you know, the the growth of, of the us is ahead of us and i believe and i agree um, and I think that's going in tech and AI is going to help fuel that in a good way. Um, I see it in warehousing. I see it on, you know, repack lines. Um, and I think we've got a bright future ahead of us, especially in the supply, supply chain industry. And there's, I, I mean, again, I'm an optimist, might be biased, but I don't think there's too many things to be worried about. I think that we've got plenty of, uh, uh, of, good winds or at our backs is going to propel us into, you know, an economic growth story that many people are dashing at the moment. So, man, I, I it pumps me up to freaking hear that because I, you know, I never saw it from that way because my whole thing, because I, I look at it from my side and it's just, because really in this country, there's a huge epidemic of people, even like myself who feel like they lack a purpose and yeah. you know and guys like so jocko he's changing this and so yeah. how you were thinking we're stepping That's away right. from let's say so jocko and his company the guys over at origin you know they're bringing back thing you know do like everything they're making like the jeans the boots like they're making all this stuff in the u.s and like yeah. sourcing it from the cotton fields in texas like all domestically making stuff and it's all fairly priced too sure. and so he has two facilities in maine and i think one in north carolina and the people who are working there are kids in their twenties and yeah. there's a kid there who runs the textile department or whatever. He's 24 years old. He's the only guy in new England who knows this trade. 
Nobody else in the New England awesome. knows this knitting feature, what he's doing. And when 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 NAFTA and all this bullshit came out, he said, I li- was listening to Andy Fursell's podcast. They had the guy from Origin on. One of the guys who was selling, you know, NAFTA and all this stuff during the Clinton admin was saying, who, you know, nobody wants to stand behind a sewing machine or nobody wants to do this type of work. And really, that's not true. Um People do want to do salt of the earth American type jobs and they want to feel like they have a purpose. They want to look back and see what built something. So in my so, but going along with what you're saying, I have no problem with the direction AI is going, how you were saying it. As long as the people who are still at these jobs, they can feel they can have some sort of ownership of it. And I think maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe the use of this technology in teaching a workforce that's it, and I hate using the word, but, you know, say, I don't want to say uneducated, but say teaching a workforce, the use of this technology, and they just have a high school degree. And it's yeah. like, and you're teaching them how to use this AI that organizes the warehouses or does this. So if you could teach a guy like a 20 year old person who's a high school graduate, who's technically just a warehouse associate, if you could teach him how to use this high speed technology, and that leads to the organization of this warehouse, I'm just looking at myself, if I was had that type of autonomy, where at a young age, I knew this crazy technology that I thought needed all these degrees, I would feel purpose. And yeah. so to kind of go with along with what you're saying, maybe, you know, I, I do want to read these books, but maybe you're right. Maybe as we step back from this global, you know, stage of relying on that and kind of focusing on, you know, domestic stuff, because that's what I'm out there for. I want, I'm a people pleaser. I want people and Americans to be happy with what they're doing with their job. Yeah. I want people to like, you know, if you're not happy with what you're doing, then happiness needs to be a prerequisite for anything people do in their lives or else it's really not worth, you know, you know, what's, yeah, yeah. what's, it, what's your life worth anymore. And shit, if there's a way that AI and technology and the people behind the scenes, if that's their mission, then, then I'm all, you know, then I'm for it. But if their mission is, you know, I just want to turn people into, you know, mass consumption machines and, you know, and just pump out more Amazon stuff, then, you know, I I can't be for that, you know, because shit, if you see what's going on with Amazon right now, and Justin and I are talking about this, there's a DC in Phoenix that's running the risk. I I know exactly. I've heard that. I saw the, I read the, I even read the story on online before you even mentioned it. It was like, they tapped the Phoenix market. (laughs) They don't have anybody else. Yeah. They're running out of people. And it's like, so I'm not all for that, but shit, if going off what you just said, if we can go that direction, I'd, I'd love that because at the end of the day, it's just all about making people fucking happy, man. It's giving people a reason to be here. You know, and I'll tell you just one other thing that, you know, why I think that, you know, our best days are ahead of us. And I, I really think just AI and tech are a tool and this is not necessarily like a, a detriment to, you know, our economy or our society. You know, example of, you know, ag, right. I go back, uh, I typically try to go back to um, the farm, then the harvest time or, maybe try during like uh, playing season, my dad's playing, right. Um, ag, I mean, it's crazy. The, the, if you're, people don't realize that, you know, te- there's a lot of tech and ag and people don't realize that, um, you know, so typically the cycle, when you, when you plant a corn, a, a seed of corn in springtime, there's a little bit of preparation involved. There's, there's laying the nitrogen strips in order to kind of um, help, you know, germinate and um, give that, 
that seed of corn that added fuel to grow right um but it's like in the olden days though like you you're just going based off guesswork of where that strip of nitrogen is in the field but with tech and ai uh, and I'll give you, uh, I'll segue here and why that's a kind of a growth story and opportunity for the U.S. You, the, 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 the GPS device with the John Deere or Case Age tractor, it can lay that seed of corn on that strip of nitrogen within you know, one to three millimeters. And don't, don't quote me on that, but it's, it's micro. It's a, it's a very small uh, space of land, right? And what that it's not replacing anybody it's helping you know salt the earth people salt of the earth people like you and me right um to better utilize the resources we have and you know and, and prosper so and I, I think that you know a lot of the stuff's going back to the u.s once the globalization is going to happen and um you know you're seeing more utilization of you know u.s ag land was which and so on so yeah, I, I agree with you on it. And and a lot of it has to do with just how we have to view our energy consumption as a whole. And I taught we and Sarah Stogner brought this up uh, in the last episode. You know, we have to come to the realization if we are going to transition off of oil and gas, if we are going to, you know, if it, mm-hmm. yeah. for what's going on with the, whatever's going on with the climate and stuff like that, for the climate alarmists or, you know, with whatever's going on. Um, we need to draw back. We need to deglobalize and kind of yeah. do that because to have, you know, I don't think people realize that <clears throat> to operate as we do with how the supply chain is on this global scale comes with a huge cost of consumption. And there's, yeah. there's if, I, know, if I could just ask real quick, you know, I was talking to my girlfriend last night, right? She's from Italy. Her mom's from Italy, right? Oh, lucky you. You're with the best of the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so let me ask you, uh, what was your energy bill last month? What was your wife's energy bill? Oh, shit. For I mean, you're in like, Texas, too. So that's probably a little it's bit not more. it's not too bad. I think our electric bill was only like 40 bucks or something. 50. Yeah. Bucks, yeah. Maybe. Mine was like, you know, granted, I'm in Chicago. It was like, I don't know. It was like 80, 100 bucks. Right. But dude, I know people in Connecticut, dude, they're st- they still got oil heat in their homes. I mean. It's costing them fucking three hundred dollars well, to fill their oil much, tank or whatever. Yeah. So, so my point, and where I'm going with it here, how much do you think an energy bill for just a small little place in Italy would cost? Like an apart, like an apartment? Yeah. Well, like uh, a three bed, three four bedroom home. Oh, a three, three four bedroom. bedroom house. I don't know. It's it's probably got to be high over there or something because like six hundred euros. Holy shit! Six hundred euros a month. Yeah, and think. I mean, but, that's but, like California shit. Yeah, but think about what we have here. I mean, you know, energy is going to come back. Yeah, the foreign companies are going to start investing because we got low energy costs, right? So, anyways, I, I, I'll go on my tangent here, and kind of our best days are ahead of us. But yeah, I believe that. No, I, I, it's good to come on here and hear somebody say that they believe America's best days are ahead because. Oh, of- I, yeah. I'm a, I'm, I mean, I'm a big time pro America guy at the end of the day. Like I, all I want to do is see us win. My whole motto in life is, you know, I will, I don't win unless other people around me are winning. And, you know, it, I definitely, you know, I'm rooting for us all one. I mean, because if, if not, uh, if, it, if not us, then who, you know, yeah. and it's like, are we really going to, we, we see what, we see what happens in China, places like China, you know, we see what countries like Russia are and guess what, you know, we're not them. And, you know, we, we need to make sure that 
that type of ideology doesn't come here. You know, as for all the imperfections we have in the, our country with government and with everything going on with the corrupt, it, like, hmm. I get it. I, I know. Like, it, you know, the, our government fucking blows. You know, they're all corrupt. You know, they're all fucking pedophiles and shit. You know, they're all hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein. I get it. But for all its imperfections, dude, play, and, you know, I, I do think our best days could be ahead. Um, it's just, it's coming down, and, you know, and it's going to come down to guys like me and you having these conversations and just yeah. get, getting that energy out there. I'm a big believer in manifesting. Mm-hmm. We just keep talking about it, putting that energy out there. You saying that, you saying our best days are ahead, that's an energy you're putting out there that we fucking need. And, you know, and now it's going to be out on this podcast, you know, available for anyone on earth to listen to. And we need that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, dude, we, we've been we've been crushing it for a couple hours. You got you got anything else? You got anything else you're <laughs> racking your brain with? No, I mean it's just I I I love talking with people in this industry. I you know you, you are one of the people that I enjoy. You know the, the supply U.S. supply chains an awesome place to work work in be a part of. It's down earth people. Um, you know, I feel grateful that I've started my career in this. Uh, and it's just, it's, you know, people like you, the truckers are the backbone of this, of the U S economy. Um, and you guys got through hell, but you know, there was no truck. There's no, <laughs> there's nothing, there's no U S food. You know, there's no food. There's no you know, com- good, you know, e-commerce, nothing, no beer, no beer. Um, so yeah, you know, I appreciate have me on the pod, but yeah. yeah, dude, and we'll do this again soon. We'll we'll, we'll jump back on soon. We'll see what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, we'll see sure. what you're doing with you know with your three PL stuff. Sure, man. I, I know we didn't touch on it much, but it, okay. or you know touch on it much, but yeah, we should definitely follow up and talk about that. And we'll talk about you know we'll talk about whatever we got going on. But no, I think that's a great place to leave it, dude. Yeah, I mean it's the the that's the thing. You know, when it comes to trucking, when it comes to this side of you know people's jobs. You know, there there's a there's a bastion of Americana still left here that, you know, people can get. And it's great. And I think a great place to leave it is, hey, man, I, I think America's best days are ahead. You know, it's just it's down to guys like us to get us, you know, put ourselves out there and make it happen. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, yeah for great sure. Thank you. Yeah. Great talking with you, man. Thanks for coming on. This is, a, this, this is definitely a good one. I'm glad we're putting this type of energy out there. And, you know, with that uh, being said, actually, before before we fall off, where can where can the people find you? Where are you? Are you online? Yeah, you know, I'm active on Twitter. Uh, so Steve Schlecht. Um, you know, I own my own e-commerce 3PL. You got anybody selling things online? Happy to offer my services. You know, our tagline is customer-centric solutions. I don't want to deal with the 3PL the way that I did at Pepsi or in my consulting life. So you know anybody happy to help at alpinefulfill.com. Uh, give us a holler. Awesome, man. Thanks again. And for those of you out there, if you need to find me, if you ever need to chat, or if you're a driver out there listening, you want to come on here and tell your story, reach out to me. You know where to find me anywhere at Lombard Trucking. With that, guys, we'll see you on the next one. Later.